to the Harwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. Talent is overrated. A statement that TJ and Sam explore in this episode and how coaches can go from the highest level of success to the lowest of lows and what factors are the most important when it comes to your team reaching their potential. Let's get started. Welcome to the Hardwood Hustle. Sam and I here. Talent is overrated, Sam. Or is it? That's a good question. Is talent overrated or is it not overrated? Is that the only thing you need? What all goes into a winning recipe? And, you know, you and I have had this talk a lot. I mean, there's a lot of good coaches out there that just don't have the players, right? And there's a lot of coaches out there that make a lot more out of a lot less. And then there's players that have coaches that have a ton of talent. And this really kind of spurned by a little bit of what's going on in the NBA. And I know you have some thoughts of this, but, you know, Monty Williams and Greg Popovich, I think, are the two highest paid, paid coaches in the NBA and they have the two worst records in the NBA and the Suns or the he went money went from the Suns to the Pistons. I think they have the longest losing streak right now with 20 something games. And, you know, uh, you know, the Spurs had something near 20 losses in, in a row and, and, and Popovich has won many championships. And so like, even you could think back to Steve Kerr, they came off multiple championships, Kerr or Curry went out and then all of a sudden they had one of the worst records in the NBA. And this trickles down to every level of basketball. Like, Talent is overrated or talent is the only thing. Talent is like, where does it fit into the equation? How important is coaching? How important is talent? How important is culture? Let's just have a little conversation around this. Why don't you open us up with some thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so at the time of us recording this, TJ, yeah, Detroit set an all-time record for 27 losses and counting and the second worst record team is the Spurs. And I think they lost 17 or 18 in a row at one point, but they're, you know, Detroit's two and 28 and the Spurs are four and 25. And there's no denying the success that Popovich has had as an NBA coach. I mean, he's considered an all timer considered by some the best to ever do it. And here he is, you know, struggling through a bad season. If Popovich TJ would have had that season in his second year of coaching, he probably gets fired, right? But he's earned the trust of the leadership and the ownership there. But it is, it's an, across any level. That's a pro example. But across any level, th- there's, you got to have a, a baseline level of talent to go compete. And you and I have been coaching and been around long enough to see coaches who do more with less and coaches who only win when they do have talent. And, So I think the opening thought for me would be culture matters, talent matters. When those two things are working really well, that's when you get something special. Um, But which is, which is more important. I mean, I don't know that you put one, I would say culture because, you know, you're trying to build, like, I think most people listening to this are wanting to be transformational coaches. You do that by creating transformational cultures and then when you do that winning becomes a byproduct <laughs> but you also you got you can't go to gun gunfights with knives either you got to have some some players to go win games i think that's my opening thought for us yeah you know I, i've said this many times at coaching clinics um you know i'm not necessarily afraid of winning or losing you know my probably my biggest fear in coaching is is really 
helping my team to achieve as much as they can possibly achieve. Right. So like the, the most unfulfilling feeling as a coach is like, we could have done more. No, I don't know. You know, is, is, you know, four and 25, is that the best that team could do? Or could we have won seven or could we have won eight or whatever it might be? And I, I think that's really the question we have to search for in our coaching is like, can we get the, the talent maximized? Can we get the, and, and I do, I think culture is a big piece of maximizing the talent. You know, I mean, there are way more stories about a under talented team overachieving than there is about a really talented team achieving everything they possibly could, you know, and I think that's why culture is so important is because if you want to maximize a team's potential, you got to have a great culture, you know, and now again, it could be four wins, eight wins, 12 wins or state championship. I don't know. Everybody's ceiling is different, but at the end of the day, winning is hard and we all want to try and maximize our team's talent so that it can win as many games as it possibly can. And so I do think that, and and that's the interesting thing about basketball, you know, to me is like, it's a fluid sport. There's so many decisions and it's a, it's a team sport where culture does matter. Coaching and getting them organized does matter. And that's where, you know, when we started PGC coaching, you know, like leadership, it matters. Culture, it matters. Being a great teacher of the game so that you can maximize your team potential. It matters. Systems and strategies, it matters. Developing players so that you tap out their talent, it matters. Those five things are what we build build PGC coaching on because if you do take away any one of those things, right, let's just say that you have enough talent, right, and you have a good culture, but the coach is not good and just puts them in bad situations, that's a problem. They're just not a good teacher of the game. That's a problem. And you could be a good teacher of the game. You could have a strong culture. You know, um, and you you could get all the systems and strategies wrong, put them in the wrong. That could be a problem, right? But you could also have them in all of the right situations, offensively and defensively, and they don't like each other and they don't play hard for each other, and that's a problem. So that's why I think it's really hard, you know, and it it, and it gets it gets bigger than it really is, like in coaching, because nowadays you can see a coach go to the Super Bowl, and then two years later they have a bad record and they're done. You know, I mean, Popovich is an anomaly. I mean, I think the Spurs just trust him so much. He's been there so long. But you said it earlier that I mean, he's had multiple losing seasons the last few years, a lot of losing seasons. But they stick with him because I think they think that now, – now, listen, if the culture was really bad and they were losing, I think they would fire him. So it leads me to believe the culture is actually pretty good. You know, like you see all the time, well, the locker rooms quit on this coach. That usually means the culture is not strong and it gets let go. But I think somewhere in their organization, they believe, hey, our culture is still strong. You know, players are still playing hard. They're still playing for each other. We just might not have enough talent. And so I think that's why they stick with them. But I think all things do matter. And honestly, if you take any one of those things out of the equation, I think we've seen seasons where people underachieve just because of any one of those five categories. Yeah, I agree. In the <clears throat> Okay, so at the college level for you, you get to go recruit players and you can maybe speak into this, but like when you're it, sometimes, and we've seen this and I've seen it, 
college coaches just go try to find the most talented player, right? Hey, let me let me get that that kid that's the biggest kid or the athletic kid or whatever their characteristic is. Um, and by the way, I think sometimes when we say talent, we are talking about a great athlete. I would say a Steph Curry is a great talent. He's a he's a would you call him a below average athlete in the NBA? Below average, yeah, yeah below average, but enormously talented. And when I say talent, like basketball IQ and skill level are elite. But my point is, when you're a college coach, you you got to go find the right talent. It's it's the talent that will fit into the culture, the talent that will fit into the system. Now, there's some talents that supersede anything. They're universal. They can fit into anything. Um, you know, you can you can take. You know, you can take a Steph Curry. You can take a LeBron James. You can take a um, an elite player and they'll go fit in any system and be really successful. But oftentimes coaches just chase the talent and then they fit, they worry about the other stuff later and the other stuff bites them uh, because the talent is not the right talent. High school and below, you often are coaching what you get, you know, what walks yeah. in the halls. Hey, you, you can go recruit your talent and fit it together. I mean, I'm, you know, I've had to do that the, at the higher level of, of 17, 16U, where you are trying to fit the right pieces together. So I think that's a part of it is the right talent has to fit together and the right personalities have to come together. If not, then, you know, that, all that talent's wasted. Yeah. And, you know, and I think to put it into perspective, too, I mean, I think – I think people sometimes think college basketball is easier in the sense you just go pick players, but that also is not true. You know, I think especially small college basketball and and, and even a lot of, of division one level, it's a lot more like high school than people think in the sense that, yeah, I, yeah, I can go recruit players, but we're not handpicking the best players in the country. You know what I mean? I mean, just look at the college football. Like, who's got a chance to win the national championship for the last decade? I mean, you could basically boil that down to what? Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, maybe throw in one or two other teams, Texas and whatever. You know what I mean? Like, there's a reason for that. I mean, yeah, they're recruiting too, and they have way more resources. And so there's a lot of teams out there that even though we can go recruit and try and pick players – it doesn't mean we can get anybody we want. And, you know, every school has their problems. Every school has location, scholarship money, you know, all kinds. Of, everyone has different problems. And so it's not quite as easy as people think. I think when you think about picking your players because of you don't know the nuances, you, it, we're all competing against somebody. So in high school, you may not be able to go recruit your players, but in college, like, everybody you're playing against is recruiting too. So the playing field is even and sometimes really uneven because what they can have. But at the end of the day, you're having to decide on how you want to try and build your team, which is, I think, very much the same of any other high school or how do I want to build my team? Like, am I going all in on player development? Am I, you know, am I going all in on culture? Am I going all, what am I going all in on? Like, what are we going to, what are we going to say are the cornerstones of this program, which I think is a really important decision. And oftentimes I think when people are picking their cornerstones, uh, they can leave something out of the equation. That's really, really important, which is, you know, it could be the culture part. It could be the development of leadership. And that's what going back to the first point I made is how many times have people underachieved 
because they really didn't care about all of these things. And, th- and that's where it's like, I just think coaching is really hard to win because you know how hard it is to build good leadership, to develop a good culture, to get them all in the right systems and strategies and to develop players to be able to be successful and to be a great teacher. Winning is hard. I say this all the time. Winning is hard at any and every level because the other team's practicing too. The other team's recruiting players. The other team has talented players. The other team, like it's, it's just hard. And many times I think that the best thing we can do is go look at where are we underachieving in those five categories because it probably directly relates to your overall underachievement if you're underachieving and vice versa. Why are we achieving so much? Like, what is the success? Like, so, and I look at our, like, we've got a good culture. We've had a good culture, not a flawless culture. We have problems just like anybody else. But to me, man, we probably could get a little bit better at this, get a little bit better at that. But what has kept us a consistent winner? I would go back to probably our culture. Well, let me ask this question. So when you're, and I, I don't, I don't follow closely how Detroit and San Antonio, like, I haven't read a bunch of articles or listened to a bunch of interviews or anything, but when you lose 27 games in a row or 18 in a row, um, what happens to the culture? Oftentimes players are pretty upset. Coaches are ticked off. People start pointing fingers. People start getting upset with each other and you see cracks. Uh, You know, so again, I don't know if Detroit's held strong, and there, and there should be frustration, right? You lose 27. You, like if somebody's yeah. not mad, that might be concerning too. So, but TJ, like even when you lose three games in a row, um, things people can start or lose, lose it. You know, you guys, I don't know if you've lost three in a row in the last few years, but lose two in a row. Um, you start looking closer at things. So I guess I'm saying that to, to ask you this question, like, in those moments of adversity, when you are losing a lot, what are the signs that like, when do you like, okay, Oh, hold up. I got, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta fix the cracks in our foundation. I gotta, I gotta go back in and, and, and seal that up a little bit because I see people like question their shot, their shot taking or my minutes, right? When you're winning, it's hard for a player to come to the coach and say, coach, we've won, we've won eight in a row. It's like, coach, Man, I've only been playing eight minutes a game. Like, what's up? Well, what's up is we're one eight in a row, and this is working really well. So as a coach, but a player, when you're losing, they, they might have a more a little more courage to speak up. I might have threw too much at you there, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm trying with you. I mean, I think this is this is a great question because you know losing opens the doors to a lot of things because when you're losing a bunch of games then you definitely call into um, into question probably two things like, all right, well, is coach a good enough coach? That's one, right? And then two, players also call into the fact like, well, those players aren't winning. Why don't you give me a shot? You know, even though in practice they may be the one losing to that other player in every drill, but it's easy because now you have a strong argument that like, well, your way's not working. And so players or coaches, that's where I think – this is a separator in really good cultures that withstand the test of time, the adversity, the whatever. I, I really think accountability and consistency are what champions possess. And that it would be so interesting to be a fly on the wall in San Antonio or or Detroit, right? Like 
look, we're losing. We're losing at a higher rate. I would ask these two things. What's the level of accountability in there? Like, I, I would be so curious to know because I got a feeling with um, San Antonio and just by what I've read and, and what I've seen over the years is there's a high level of accountability. And I think the accountability starts with the coach. Like, is the coach taking accountability for why things aren't going well? And it, we always talk about players pointing fingers, but I can tell you there's a lot of coaches that point fingers. I mean, how many times have we been in a conversation, Sam, where the first thing out of a coach's mouth is, well, my players just aren't, I just don't have the players. I just don't have talent. I just have that. And they just, they don't even look within themselves on the things that they can do better. They just put it and cast it upon the players. And it may be true that they're not good enough. Let me, let me interject over that. So like, that's a, like, let's, let's talk about that. So Popovich is in, in his locker room or he's, at practice and they're they're four and twenty what are they four and twenty five or something right now. So like how much how does he when when you lose your ninth in a row, is he coming in and saying, Hey guys, we really screwed up the sky and report on today. Um that's on me. Sorry about that one. Like I you know, I think it's more than that. My point is like there's also just a built in understanding they don't have the firepower to go win. So as a coach, you're balancing like this realist talk with your players. And by the way, these are grown men you're talking to. So, but then like, if you get too real, then you would be putting all the onus saying, Hey guys, I've, I've won five. I've coached five NBA championships. We don't have the player. You guys aren't good enough right now. Like you can't say that every day. Yeah. <laughs> like there, there's some challenge there as a coach. Like where, where, where do you take some realist talk or where, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like how, how do you balance that? Yeah, I, I think I, I, I collective accountability. I mean, I, the one thing, if I'm four and 25, the, the, here's what I would be looking for. Like just for the future of my team, building my program, whatever I want, I really want to know how accountable is everybody. And so I think I lead the way by being accountable. I think I'm the one that's got to be the first one to be the most accountable, but I'm super interested to hear, like I'm having player, I'm having individual meetings with players. Hey, what do you think you need to get better at? You know, like how, how, how realistic are they about what they need to do? Because it's really hard to get better when you are not realistic and you are not accountable. It's, It's just hard to get better. And so that that would be like if I go into a meeting with a player and they're like, yeah, well, and they start pointing fingers. Well, I, I, I'm fine, but I think so-and-so needs to do this, so-and-so needs to do that. That's a big red flag for me. And when a player goes in there and says, man, I recognize to be a pro and to help this team, here's what's got to get better, then I think we got a chance in the future. And any player in there that's like not taking accountability, I'm thinking about, all right, step one, can I help them to be accountable, watching film, doing whatever. If I go to step one, it doesn't work and go to step by step three. Like if they're not accountable, like that's one of those we've got to end the relationship thing. And you're taking stock of who can you actually get better with? And I think that's the old coach adage. You know, I know Tony Bennett, his dad, Dick Bennett told us when he took over his first program, he's like, find the guys you can lose with. Right. And if I'm in either one of those locker rooms right now, I'm trying to find the guys I can lose with. 
Who are the guys that are going to be accountable? Who are the guys that are going to be working every day in spite of our record? Who are the guys that are going to fight for us to get that one extra win, even though it doesn't lead to the playoffs? That's, you know, and it's just, it's just different mentality. Like you're now thinking about the overall program. How do we actually move forward towards where we want to get to? And those are the kind of things you have to take stock of. No, I I like that a lot. TJ is, I like what you said there because you want to first – you're basically gauging the heart of a player. It's like are they taking ownership or are they playing victim or pointing fingers? And, again, this – we're kind of bouncing back and forth here. But, like, going back to the talent thing, here's an interesting thing. Think about this. Detroit, who's lost 27 in a row, are they talented? Do they have enough talent on their roster? DJ, they have – I'm going to read this off to you. They have five players that were drafted in the top five of the draft. Cade Cunningham, number one overall. Ivy, number five. Marvin Bagley, number two. Sear Thompson, number five. James Wiseman, number two. Those are four players. They have another one, Duran, who uh, – Jalen Duran was drafted in the lottery as well. Like, that's interesting to me. Like, is this a talented team? Are they just too young and they're not mature and don't know how to win? Or is it a culture thing? Which, by the way, like maybe that, that's a part of your culture, like winning habits and winning ways. So um, I know that's a little bit different different position. But, yeah, how do you think about – do you when you play teams that are talented in your league or non-league games – but you see something off with them, what do you attribute that to? Yeah. I mean, it, it, when they're talented and they're not getting it done. Exactly. Like you watch a team, they're like, man, yeah. they got the talent, but they just don't win. They don't They don't get it done. Yeah. That's – I mean, I, I think that goes back to, you know, the whole um, – I mean, first I'm evaluating myself. Do I have them doing the right things? You know, like – the system strategy part. I think the second thing I'm thinking about is like, do we actually, the player development part, like do we actually have the players that are, because when we talk about player development, we're not just talking about skills. You know, we're talking about the mental aspect of the game and we're talking about the intangibles of the game. Like I'm asking, do we have those? Because we've all coached talented players that didn't have that it factor. And we've also all coached players that were less talented that had that it factor. They were just a winner. And so, I mean, you're taking some serious stock and, and you're asking yourself, can I turn this player into a winner or can I not? I mean, I, I, we've all been in that situation, too, where it's like, hey, th- this player wants to be a winner. They just haven't figured it out yet. Or do we have a player that, look, they're just not willing to do what it takes to be a winner. And I, I, I it's, you know, not that it would be fun to be in that situation, but you're definitely going problem solving mode and you're asking all of these questions like, all right, we don't have the talent or we do have the talent. All right, we're doing the right stuff or we're doing the wrong stuff. Okay. We are culture strong or it's not strong. All right. We have leadership within this team or it's not. Am I leading well or am I not? Like you're, you're answering a lot of different questions and you're just chipping away, you know, and, and I think it goes back to the old like head on the pillow, right? Like, I mean, I think sometimes we, we might think we rest easier, by just placing blame on somebody else. I don't think that's who you are, who I am, or who coaches should be. I think what we're really going to do is like, am I doing everything I possibly can to problem solve, to help us get to that spot? And that's where we started out with the question, is talent enough? 
or is it is it the most underrated, overrated thing? So, and and, and the I know this is you know kind of an easy way out, but it all matters. And that, that's the interesting thing about our sport. If you were to go to another sport, Sam, like swimming or golf, you're either good enough or you're not good enough. You know what I mean? Your times and your scores are going to tell you what to do. That's that's the thing about a team sport that is so fun to coach and also so challenging to coach is that there are so many factors that go in. It's like, you know, trying to make the perfect soup, right? Like so many ingredients, right temperature, you know, like all of those things matter. And that's why our job is so complicated. But you, you know that just saying we have the five fastest players on the floor doesn't mean you're going to win. The five strongest players doesn't mean you're going to win. And you also know on the flip side of that, if I don't have the best talent, doesn't mean you can count me out. Right. There's because it's a team sport and there's a lot of things that go into it. And, you know, that's why it's so fun and so frustrating at the same time. So when you like when you're sitting in your office and you're making decisions in the offseason about whether so you got on your board, you're, you're just trying to decide you got three guys, whether to take them or two guys, you're trying to determine whether to take at the five spot. Right. Yeah. And, the, and you're you're looking at these two players and you feel like, and like you said, maybe those two players have 10 more options going on. Let's, let's just say they both want to come play at a manual. Player A, he he's 6'9", um, good athlete, probably a walking double-double. Player B, not a walking double-double, um, crazy good intangibles, Good player, good player. Like you've gone, you've taken the player that's less um, sexy or what Dick Vitale used to call the all airport team. You know, when you're walking through the airport and you see that team and you're like, man, those guys can play because they they looked apart. Like you, you've turned away from the, the better looking player and gone with the lesser player. And then why my question is, what was appealing or attractive to the other player that was so-called less talented for you? I think it goes back to what I said a second ago with the whole Dick Bennett, Tony Bennett thing is like, who can you lose with? And look, <clears throat> how are you, un- how are you uncovering that? Well, I mean, well, I'm just going off the assumption you told me that that player's got the intangibles and doing all that, but I think there's homework that goes into that, right? Like finding out like who, who is that player 10% you know, less of a player than the other player, but they're 70% better in all the intangibles and stuff. Like you're weighing that out all the time. And and I think that, I think that goes, I mean, this is a whole nother conversation, but I just think it goes down to like, what do you, what do you value the most? And what do I value the most? Like I value coaching really good kids and, and I shouldn't even say good kids because I've coached some, you know, marginal people, but they wanted to be good kids. They just didn't have the structure in their life to get there or they didn't have the people. So I'm yeah. OK with that, too. You know, I, I'm, I'm OK with either one of those. My only caveat is that they really want to be a good person. They really want to be a good teammate and they really want to be a good player. If they want those things, I'm taking the less talented player. And that goes back to like a deeper question of like my coaching philosophy. Like I'm betting on culture, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, this is my life. I only do it for so many years. Like I'm trying to do with people I love, you know, I I think that of all the things I've probably learned in life is it's not what you have. It's not what you do. It's not, it's who you do it with. 
And I want to do it with people that I, that I really want to go to battle with, with people that I want to do life with. And so that's why I'm choosing that. Now, not every coach is going to choose that, but I think it goes to that deeper philosophy of like, what are you building your program, your team, your life? What are you building that on? And, and a lot of times it's getting, you know, the right talent, just getting them in the right mindset. You'll see it at a pro level, a Bill Belichick take a troubled player, TJ, who's really talented, but maybe they've they've fallen out with some other teams. Like he, he re, you know, Randy Moss, when they got Randy Moss, he read that his career was resurrected. But it was just like Randy Moss got on, got into the Patriot culture and bought in. And it worked really well. Have you seen Popovich do that at times? Like when you have a strong culture and you bring in a talented player, oftentimes they just need the right culture. Like to your point earlier, the kid's not, you know, that kid may have come from a really tough background and they don't, they don't know what they don't know. And like they come in and they learn a certain way of doing things and then it works out really well. Yeah. And look, it's worked for Belichick and it hasn't worked for him. And this was, again, going back into one of the things I love about coaching is all of the dynamics. Like, look, if you have strong leadership and a strong culture, it's probably easier to take some chances. And the flip side of that is, you know, I've seen people where they don't have strong culture, they don't have strong leadership and they take a risk on a really risky player and it blows up. And that's where you see plenty of talent not being able to achieve. And that, that, you know, I think coaching has a lot to do. I mean, you want to know what I think a couple of things that have helped me in coaching a lot, humility, like just recognizing that, look, I'm a pretty good coach, but I got a long ways to go. That's the same thing I want for my players. Hey, I'm a pretty good player, but I got a long ways to go. I think that's a big one. I think two is like over the years, uncovering the right questions to ask. And so some of the things we're talking about right here are the right questions. Like, who do I take in that scenario? What do I value the most? You know, can I take this player because my culture is so strong and they're a little bit of a risk? Like, can I, like, I think just asking good questions is a really important thing. And for coaches out there, if I was to give one final piece of advice, is be a problem solver, not a finger pointer. And I, you know, we hate that as in our players when they just point fingers and make excuses but sometimes as coaches, we're, we do that just as much or more. And look, we, we should be in constant pursuit of solving the puzzle. Right pieces, you know, they fit, like they go, like we're trying to figure out how that works in our offense and our defense, how that fits in our culture, how that fit there. And we, I might not get it right. I may lose. I may make the wrong decisions. But the one thing I pride myself is being persistent and consistent and trying to solve problems. Yeah, that's good. No, no, last thing that, that comes on mind again, I'm using some professional examples. Michael Jordan, when, when Phil Jackson took over the bulls, he told Michael Jordan, Hey, you, you can still lead the league in scoring, but instead of averaging 35, you might average 30. Um, because we've got to, we got to learn how to play team basketball and be, be more challenging to guard or when LeBron James, when he, when, before he got to the heat, TJ LeBron James, I would say didn't know how to, what, what winning a championship really meant or what that looked like. And so my points using those two examples, two of the most talented players ever, they had to learn how to use their talent in the right way, use their talent to win and I think good coaches can bring that out in the right players. 
Yeah. So to sum it all up, I mean, Sam, I think we'd agree two things can be true. Like talent is important. Talent can also be overrated. Coaching is important. Coaching can also be overrated. You know what I mean? Like I think, I think both ends of it. And, and so it's not a simple answer and we don't coach a simple game. And anytime you're working with a team and a lot of people, it's never simple. And it doesn't matter. I mean, is running a family simple? Absolutely not. Is raising kids simple? Absolutely not. Is coaching a team simple? No, it's not. Like none of those things are simple. But I think we just need to be, you know, going after every day, you know, trying to solve those problems, trying to do the best by each person, trying to figure out the equation and doing it with a level of humility, um, but also doing it with a level of dogged persistence. Like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to find a way. And, you know, hey, sometimes I've been dogged in my persistence of doing that and it hasn't quite worked out that way, but I didn't regret my effort. I tell my players the same thing. You're never going to regret going after it. It might not get the playing time you want. You might not get, but you're not going to regret going after it. And I feel the same way as coaches. Like, you know, look, sometimes we don't always get the results we want, but I've never regretted going after it and trying to be the best I can be and trying to make my team the best they can be. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, coaches. I think it's an interesting topic. Hit us up at Hardwood underscore Hustle. Hey, he is Sam. I am TJ. We are the Hardwood Hustle. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Hardwood Hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. We also want to make sure you know about our coaching resources and freebies available to you at pgchustle.com. We have a workshop, a Reading React masterclass, and effective practice planning tips to help you enhance your coaching. Get started at pgchustle.com. From the Harwood Hustle team, thanks again. We can't wait to be with you again next week.